0: Amen. Well, it's so good to be in God's house this morning. Are you ready for his word? Yes. Can I remind you today that God's word is alive? Can I remind you today that God's word is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it's able to penetrate to the dividing of the soul and spirit and bone and marrow. So we're about to whip out a sword. We're about to whip out a live sword and it is about to pierce your heart and change your life. Are you ready for that? Amen. Okay. So today I've got just a... Um, it's just probably a one-part sermon sermon series because Pastor Jason will be back next week. He had to make a last-minute trip to North Alabama today. Um, so whenever you are called to preach and you're married to a traveling preacher, and he's got to go away last minute, you better be ready. So guess what? God already had a word stirring in my heart, so um, so I pray that it just ministers to you today, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Matter of fact, let's ask him to do that right now. Father, as we begin to dive into your word today, which I've already proclaimed um, part of it lord that says it is alive and it's active and so today lord as we study your word as your word is preached as your word is heard as it enters our ears and it goes into our heart lord we i i declare and i stand on the promise of your word that it is going to do something active and alive in our hearts and not only in our spirits and our souls but in our bodies lord to the bone and to the marrow lord that is what we Pray that Your Word would reach deep, deep down inside of us today and bring forth life change that only You can do, Lord Jesus. It's Your Word that does the work, and so this morning, Lord, as I just proclaim it, You do what You do, and You bring about everything we need to hear today. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I'm just going to start. Just it's a it's a one part sermon, maybe. Pastor Jason might pick it up next week. I'm not sure, but this is what God's given me for today. Um, It's called Hidden with Christ. OK, to begin with, I made I made like a graphic design for it and it said hidden in Christ. But then I started thinking, you know, I was like, you know what? That's the wrong part of speech. The word actually says hidden with Christ. Let's read it this morning. Let's go to Colossians 3 and we're going to read Colossians 3, 1 through 3. And I'm just going to dive. This is our main scripture for today. And we're just going to see how Jesus wants us to be hidden with him. And it starts off with this. Since then. You have been raised with Christ. You've been raised with Christ? Yes. Amen. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Okay? So he wants us to set our hearts on things above. And that's where Jesus is. And he's seated at the right hand of God. Does anybody ever just sit and think about heaven like I do? Does anybody think about it? Like, like... I want to go there, okay? I'm I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I love Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior. And I will preach Jesus until he is ready for me to come home. And sometimes, Lord, I just say, Lord, I'm ready to go home. I want to go home. And uh, I told mom this week I was really missing my dad. And I was like, man, do you ever just long for heaven? Like you just want to just— just so, so God wants us to set our hearts on things above where Christ Jesus is, seated at the right hand of God. And then it says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, all right? So here we've got our hearts, we've got our minds, and they need to be set on things above, all right? So here's Colossians 3.3 3 is where we're going. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, okay? So you are hidden with Christ. Christ in God. This, this kind of reminded me of a game we used to play. Let me see. I need some, I need some teenagers. Dawson, Dylan, will you come help me? Who, who we got over here? I can't see. Ty, Andrew, can you come help me? Okay, just stand right here. Alright, so I was introduced to this game as a kid. Alright, have you guys ever played Hide and Go Seek? You have? Awesome! Have you guys ever played Seek and go hide. No. Okay, I'm fixing to show you a new game. Okay, all right, Andrew, Dawson, Dylan, you guys come over here. Stand right here with you. You stand with Andrew. All right, Ty, you go over there. All right. So it's the opposite of hide and go seek. Okay. So the 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 game is one person hides. So Ty, you, you you guys close your eyes. Okay. Close. Okay. Go hide. All right, and so these guys are waiting, and when they, when, you know, you go one, two, three, you know, you do the count, and what's the thing you say? Ready or not, here I come. All right, so now these three guys have to look up, and you've got to go find Ty. When you find Ty, you hide with Ty. Okay? It's the opposite of hide-and- go-seek. It's seek and go, hide, right? All right, so nobody tell him, but where's Ha? Go find him. Dawson, you go that way, maybe?? Yeah, yeah. Did you hear me? All right, get down, get down. Okay Guess what, Dawson? You're the last one to find him. So guess what you are now? It. Okay? So that's seek and go hide. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand. They did great. All right. So seek and go hide is you go and you hide with the person that has hidden. Okay? Opposite of hide and go seek. So just wanted to give you that illustration because here the Bible is talking about that we have died. Old joy, gone, right? And now my life is hidden with Christ in God, okay? So we're going to just break down this scripture. I wanted to give you that illustration just so you would realize that we're hiding, we're hidden with Christ in God. I'm going to break that down for you, okay? There's so many things um, In the Bible, that talks about a hiding place. Let's read Psalm 32, 7. This is talking about God. It says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Mm. Psalm 17, 8 says this. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadows of your wings. Psalm 27.5 says this, For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. Have you ever been in a moment of your life where you just want to hide in God? As I was thinking about this, I was like, this sermon is an introvert's dream come true right? Because sometimes we just want to, as introverts, we just want to go and hide. But I want to tell you today, that's not what God's talking about. Because he has called us, uh, we're, not, we're not called to hide from God or called to hide from people, but he has, call, he has given us a hiding place in him. And, and I want to tell you about that today. Because there's someone in the Bible who understood the concept of God hiding them. Okay? So we're fixing to go to the Old Testament. Let's go to First Kings. We're gonna talk about an evil king of Israel. I'm gonna to go to first Kings 16 and we're gonna talk about Ahab. And he's, he has become king. I want to go, to go to 1 Kings 16. Oh, Scott, you're already there. 29. So if you have your Bibles, turn in the word of God with me. And it says, In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. So this is a bad king. He's a bad dude, a bad enemy. Now I want to tell you about God's man. And let's turn to 1 Kings 17. We're going to read verse 1 through 16, and we're going to talk about Elijah. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe, I think if you're a Tishbite, you probably will be from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, who's the wicked king, right, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and do what? What does it say? What does it say? Can you say it again? Hide in the Kereth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So Elijah is hiding. Who is he hiding from? Ahab. Because he has just said to him, there is not going to be, this is what the word of the Lord says, there is not going to be rain nor dew until I say it. As we have seen over this very hot, hot summer, with little rain, that rain is very important to the environment, right? Right? If you have a garden or if you're growing anything, rain is very, very important. We have a a garden that's at Moms that, that two years ago during COVID 2020, it was like, Miraculous garden. It was like God just blessed the earth in 2020, and everything produced and provided, and it was great. Man, we were putting up peas for days. You know, well this year, um, it's been super hot. Has anybody else notice that it's been super hot? And we haven't had a whole lot of rain. Well, now we're going out to pick. The grass has overcome. Um, the The peas are like you know this this big on the vines and and it's just not producing you know so rain is so very important to to us right so this is the same the same back in Elijah's day today rain was very important and so Elijah says there's not going to be rain there's not going to be rain and so here we have Elijah hiding from Ahab and God has has put a spot directed him to a direct spot for him to hide and not only has he given him a hiding place but he's given him provision in the hiding place and I don't know about you but if some blackbirds were bringing me bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening that would be just a crazy sight would it not so you know that God's providing for him in the hiding place so he, the ravens would bring him food to eat, and then he would drink from the brook. And we notice here that, that Elijah doesn't have anybody with him. It's just Elijah and the birds, right? Elijah, the birds, the brook. Elijah, the birds, the brook. He's in the hiding place. God's providing for him. God's taking care of him. And he's there. He's hidden, and, and, and he's hidden from his enemy. Then we see in verse 7, that sometime later the brook dries up because what? There had been no rain. That's right. There had been no rain. And then the word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah, and he says, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, get it, he called and bring me, please, a, pre- a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and a meal to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die Elijah said to her don't be afraid go home and do as you have said but first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food and Every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So here we have Elijah in a second hiding place. This time, God uses someone to help him in the hiding place. And not only does he have someone to help him, but God is continually providing for him in the hiding place. In the middle of the drought, God was hiding Elijah. And though in the middle of the drought, God was providing for Elijah. Can I tell you today that I do not know what you are going through, but God does. And he wants you to know today that in the middle of your drought, he is going to provide for you. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 6 to not worry. We are hidden with Christ in God, and there is a promise we can stand on for provision. Let's look at what Jesus says about this. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 25, he says this. This is him talking. If you've got a Bible that you've got open, these are letters in red. This is Jesus' words, and this is what he says to you. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes look at the birds of the air he could have said see those ravens you know the ones that fed elijah i can use the birds of the air to feed you do not worry But look at them. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Have you ever worried about anything? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Have you ever worried about a lot? Yeah. Did it add anything to your life? Did it take away everything from your life? So worry takes, does not give. But here we are. Jesus is saying, Why do you worry about clothes? You see how the flowers of the field grow, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? I don't know about you. I don't want Jesus calling me, me little faither. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What did we read in Colossians at the very beginning? Set your hearts on things above. Set your mind on things above. The Father knows that you need these things he says this in 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 Matthew six thirty three. he says but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well we see Elijah we see him carrying out this verse We see him seeking first the kingdom of God. We see him being content in God's hiding place. We see God providing and and giving him um, a provision and peace. Matter of fact, here's three things I want to give you that the promise, these are three promises of the hidden place. Number one, in the hidden place, there is a promise of provision. God wants you hidden with Christ Jesus in God, and within, hidden with Christ Jesus in God, there is provision for everything you need. Is God sufficient? Is He all sufficient? Is He enough? Is He more than enough? Then, in the hidden place with Christ in God, there is provision. For everything that you need. Number two, in the hidden place, there is a promise of peace. Why does Jesus sitting here talking to the disciples and sitting here in letters in red talking to us, why do you think he pauses for a minute and he says, do not worry? Because he knows us. He knows that that is in our human DNA. But when we're hidden with Christ in God, we are dead to the human DNA, the flesh. And now we can think on things above and we can put our, set our hearts on things above. And Jesus says, I have come to give you peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace that floods your heart and your mind. He is the prince of peace. So if we're hidden with Christ in God, then we have the promise of peace. Now let's go back to Elijah. Here we have him. He's, he's been at the widow's house, and God starts to move on him to begin to prophesy for rain. But before he prophesies for rain, he goes and has a standoff with some prophets. Okay, Go back. I'm not going to go through this whole chapter um, in First Kings here. I'm just going to touch, touch a little bit on it. But you need to go and read this encounter that Elijah has with the prophets of Baal. Um, Not just a few prophets, okay? It's 450 prophets of Baal. And he says, let's see whose God is God. He said, let's build an altar. And whoever's God lights lights the altar with fire, he's God. So these 450 prophets of Baal gather around the altar, begging their little G-God to light the fire on the altar. The Bible says they beg and they plead with their little G-God to send fire to burn up the altar. And it's really funny because if you read the encounter, the Bible says Elijah starts taunting them. And he says, you know, maybe your God is on vacation. You know, maybe he's gone to Hawaii, and he's sitting over there in the sun, and he just does not hear you. Or maybe your little G-God is asleep. That's what little G-Gods do. They sleep. You're begging, you're pleading, you're asking him to light the altar with fire, and your little G-God is asleep or maybe he just can't hear you, and they start screaming even louder, and all day long they ask their little G-God to light the fire. And little G-God doesn't do it because First 1 Kings 18.29 says this, Midday passed, and they continued their frantic Prophesying until the time for evening sacrifice. But from their little g-god, there was no response. No one answered. And no one paid attention. But then Elijah calls down fire from heaven. But before he does, he says, I want you to get water, and I want you to soak it. I want you to soak the altar, and I want you to just pour water till it's just drenched all over the altar and pour it on the stones around the water, and we will see whose God is God. And he asked God to light the fire, and the fire comes and consumes the altar, consumes the stones, consumes the stones. I know we got some guys in here who's made some fires. And you build a little stone wall around your fire. Does the fire ever consume your stones? Okay. God's fire does. Consume the stones. Consume the water. Even licked up the water that was in the trenches. That was the power of God. And Elijah knew that God was going to do what he had promised because he had been in the hidden place twice with God. And he had seen God provide. And he had seen God do miracles. He had seen God raise the widow's son from the dead. He had knew God and he knew that God, when, when he asked God to do what he was asking God to do, that he was going to do it because he had been in the hidden place with him so in the hidden place number three there is a promise of power to conquer the enemy in the hidden place there is a promise of power to conquer the enemy so elijah slaughters 450 prophets of baal the people of Israel rejoice and they say, yes, God is God. And he slaughters the prophets of Baal. But he it's like Elijah looked at God and was like, God, you still did not show up exactly the way I thought you were going to show up. Because in 1 Kings 19, go there with me. Because not only was Ahab a horrible, evil king, he had a horrible, evil wife and 1st Kings 19:1 says this now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say may the gods little g gods deal with me be it ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like the one of them That was my Jezebel voice. Except it probably was a lot more evil than that. So, Elijah was afraid. Do you see that? Elijah was afraid. Have you ever been afraid? It's hard to admit in church, isn't it? Because we serve God. But have you ever been afraid? When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Mighty man of God, Elijah. He had seen God do miracles. And he's sitting underneath a broom bush. Some Bible, uh, versions of the Bible say a juniper tree. If you look it up and you see the image of it, it's a really cool, like, <laughs> what, is, what is called broom bush. It's, it's like a really cool uh, broom branches, and it's got lots of shade. And he sat down and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Probably stomped his foot. You ever done that? Lord, I have had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Twenty hours later, two weeks, the next month, no, it was a year. No, it was all at once. An angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. Now Elijah had seen this before. But it was from birds. Birds. Now he's seeing it again, and it is from an angel of the Lord. And he ate and drank, and then he lay down again. Then the, Lord, then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, can I teach for just a second here? The mountain of God, Mount Horeb, is the same mountain that Moses went up on to get the Ten Commandments, okay? Same, same mountain, Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. And here we have... Elijah traveling 40 days and 40 nights, and there he went into a cave and spent the night. Now, at the beginning of Elijah's story, we saw God hiding Elijah. He was hidden with God. But here I think we see Elijah hiding himself because he's just not quite sure what God is doing in his life at this moment because it didn't seem to him that God was answering his prayers exactly like he expected them to be answered like he was wanting fire to rain down on Jezebel but that didn't happen and the word of the Lord came to him while he was in the cave Spending the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. And here's the question that the Lord asked him. And this is in verse 9. Scott, if you'll go back to that. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing in this cave? Elijah, what are you doing here? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah, what are you doing here? The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Elijah, you've run to the cave, and you didn't run to me. But here I am. I'm about to show you myself. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. You ever had a wind come against your life like that? And it seemed like it was going to shatter you. Then after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the earthquake wasn't from the Lord. And then after the earthquake came a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. What are some things that you have been through in your life? He said, God, where are you? And there was wind, and there was rain, and there was an earthquake, and there was fire, and you just waited. And this is what Elijah's doing. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. You ever heard that gentle whisper? ever hear the gentle whisper from the Lord, you will never be the same. And the thing about it is, Elijah had heard the whisper before. The whisper was in the ravens bringing him food. The whisper was in the widow providing for him. The whisper came and brought the widow's son to life. He had heard the whisper before, but he had forgotten because there had been fire and there had been an earthquake and there had been wind, but then the whisper came. If you're in a conversation with someone or with a group of people and there just becomes just a little bit of silence, does it bother you? Like, are you a silence filler? or do you want the silence to be filled? Anybody? Does silence bother you? If silence bothers you, raise your hand. No? Okay. All right. So you feel like you just need to feel in the silence. So I learned something the other day that you need to have 15 seconds like in your group of people and there's questions being asked and you're you're you know you know you want to to process things, you need 15 seconds of silence to process something. Try it. Okay, count to 15 seconds in a group of people. That is a long time of silence. Okay, so here we have Elijah, still small voice of the Lord, coming in a gentle whisper, and he's processing. And the Bible says when Elijah heard it, He pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Now scholars say, I don't have the proof for this, but it's really good preaching. And you can go and you can study it and you can can prove me right or wrong on this, but this this is really good. Scholars say that the mouth of the cave is where Moses stood in the cliff of the rock and when God's glory passed by and Moses was in the cleft of the rock and he saw God's glory that this is the same place where Elijah was experiencing the presence of God and in that moment God asked him a question same question he asked him just a few minutes ago and the voice said to him Still, small whisper of the Lord God Almighty Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing afraid? What are you doing worried? What are you doing anxious? What are you doing? You've seen me provide with the ravens. You've seen me provide with the widow. You've seen my goodness. You've seen my faithfulness. You've seen me move. Don't you know that I've hidden you and you are hidden with me and and I am good? What are you doing here, Elijah? And then he replied the exact same answer in verse 14. He says, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they put your prophets to death with a sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord knew he was going to answer this way. And he says to him, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, you anoint Hazel king over Aram also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and you anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel. Elijah, you're not the only one left because I've hidden other people. I've hidden 7,000 people in Israel. All whose knees have not bowed bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah was not the only one that God had hidden. He had hidden 7,000 for him. But in the deep, deep, dark, mully grubs of the cave, Elijah was thinking he was the only one left. You ever been there? You ever thought, I am the only one in my family serving God? I'm the only one in my office who even has an inkling of what the word of God says. I am the only one. That is a device of the enemy to isolate and to cause you to be feel like you're alone and to feel afraid but God says there's there's 7,000 that I've set aside in Israel you are not alone matter of fact my word says that I will never leave you nor forsake you that I will be with you and so you are not alone and so today the Lord's calling us to be hidden with Christ in him I'm fixing to show you something really cool And this is what God wants to declare over you. Turn to Isaiah 49. We're going to read verse 1 through 2. And you hold on to your seat. You fasten your seatbelts because God is fixing to speak to your heart. If he hasn't already spoken to your heart, this is about to speak to your heart. And this is Isaiah declaring, Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. Then verse 2 says this. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. And in the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. Right here this word shadow Hebrew word is sale T S A L E pronounced sale and it means shade which stands for protection. So if God is hiding you in his, the shadow of his hand, it's like this. Don't you want to be there? Shadow of his hand? We're getting ready to take off, okay? Hold on. Isaiah 49, 16 says this. See, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. I'll tell you one more story and then I'm done. But i want to take you to John 20, 24 through 29. And this is, about, this is where we're going to land. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, this is the end of John. Jesus has gone to the cross, died on the cross, rose again, resurrected Savior. And here we have Thomas. He was one of the twelve So a week later, his disciples were in the house again. This time, Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I think it was a gentle whisper thinking about this and I was thinking about the storms and the winds and the waves and when Jesus stood and commanded the waves to be still I think he said peace be still and they were still I don't think Jesus had to shout I don't think it was a small gentle whisper and here we have Jesus right here saying Be with you. Do you ever need the small, gentle whisper of Jesus saying, peace, be with you? And then he said to Thomas, go ahead, Thomas. Put your finger there. You see my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said, My Lord, my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's me. That's you. That's you. Said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know what? I don't know this as a fact, but it would be so awesome and cool. But the word says it. You know what I think Thomas saw when Jesus held out his hand? Not only the nail prints, but his name. Thomas. Bible says that my name is engraved in the palm of his hand and that he does this. But So many times like Elijah, we run out of God's hiding place and choose to hide behind other things. Illustration at the beginning of the sermon. We're hidden with Christ in God. So that's where we need to be hiding. We need to be hidden in Christ. But when the waves come and the storms come and the earthquake comes and the fire comes, you know where we run to hide to? The cave. Which is doubt and worry, and fear, and depression, and anxiety. And, and, and we go and we hide behind those things and we wonder why are we not living a life of victory when all Jesus is saying is I want to hide you in my hand. So I'm going to end with this. Maybe today you are experiencing the wind and the earthquake and the fire in your life. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I know the winds and the fires and the earthquakes I've experienced in my life. Sometimes I chose to run to Jesus and hide with him. And shamefully I can admit, more than a few times I've chosen to run and hide with fear and anxiety. And the Lord is asking you today, what are you doing here? What are you doing in the cave when I want to hide you in the palm of my hand? So I just want to end the service with this. With every eye closed, every head bowed, If at any moment during the declaring and the preaching of the Word of God, which is alive and is active, if at any moment today the Holy Spirit has dealt with you about where you're hiding, I want you to raise your hand. See those hands. And Jesus wants to set you free today. If at any moment during the Word of God being preached, and the question of what are you doing? Here pierced your heart and made you want to say, Jesus, I just want to be hidden in you, with you, in God. He's calling us today to change. Our hiding place. To be hidden with him. If you want to be hidden with Jesus today, can you raise your hand? I see those hands. I see those hands. But most importantly, the Lord sees your heart. And he's wanting you to see his hand. Today, And he is wanting to hide you in the shadow of his hand today. And he wants you to see your name engraved on the palm of his hand. He wants to call out the Thomases today and say, why do you doubt? Just believe. So if you want to respond to any thing that the Holy Spirit is asking you today, I'm going to ask you to be bold and to be brave and to come to the altar and give everything to the Lord today. So I'm opening the altar up. If you want to come and just receive what Jesus has for you today. Show you your name written on his hand. I'm going to open it up for you. So come. Come. Time to stop hiding in places we don't need to hide, Lord. We want to be hidden in you. We want to be hidden with Christ in you, Jesus. Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity. Maybe you're watching online. You're here live, here in person. And you say, you know, I do not know if my hand is engraved on the palm of Jesus' hand. I do not know if my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. want to give you the opportunity to know for sure today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you the opportunity to say, Jesus, I want my name written down wherever you are. I want you to save me to set me free, to take me out of the cave and bring me into where you are. If that's you today and you just want to say, Jesus, I need you, I need you to come and save me, I want you to raise your hand today. Maybe you're online and you're watching today and you would like to just ask Jesus to come and live in your heart. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, church, let's pray. I want you to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for the nails that were in your hand for me. Jesus, come into my heart. Change my life. Forgive me of my sins. Set me free. I love you, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just going to leave the altar open for just a few minutes. If anybody would like prayer or need prayer, come on up. Anybody? Anybody need a touch from Jesus this morning? All right, let me pray over you then. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as we go this week, we thank you that you are going to go before us, walk before us, prepare the way before us, be the voice behind us saying, "Walk this way." And Father, we thank you for the word that in Colossians 3:3 that says, "We are hidden with Christ in God. And so this morning, Lord, we ask that you hide us in the shadow of your wings, in the shadow of your hands. And this morning, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for the miracles and the the wonders that you work in our life. And we just praise you for that, Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you that for the, the word, Lord, that you have engraved our name on the palm of your hand and lord that means you never ever ever forget us we're never ever ever alone. And so this morning, we thank you for this. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your promises, and we thank you for your power that will help us go this week and live a life full of victory. And we thank you in your mighty and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You guys have an awesome week. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. Love you guys.